Reading this evening is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56, page 1026 in the Pew Bible. Just by way of context, um, the angel Gabriel has just met with Mary, and she's told Mary that she is going to bear this son who's going to be known as the son of God. And the Gabriel has also told Mary that um, her relative Elizabeth is going to bear this son, who's John the Baptist. And Mary heads out to go meet with Elizabeth, and there's this lovely greeting. And Elizabeth's child in the womb leaps for joy as Mary and Elizabeth meet together because this child that Mary's about to have is no ordinary child. And now Mary sings this song of praise. Let us read God's word. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Even as he said to our fathers, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Amen. And we thank God for his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to look at your word, help us to hear your words. Help us to see our greatest need and change us and send us out as people rejoicing, as people who want to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This Christmas, what is the song on your heart? Mary looks forward to the birth of Jesus, and this is the song that is on her heart. Her soul magnifies the Lord, and she sings about her. Her view of God is being increased. And what is it that she's focusing on? The theme of her praise is how God deals with humanity. God lifts up the humble and knocks down the proud. Wouldn't it be great if we could sing that song with Mary this Christmas? knowing that God has dealt with each of us personally in such a gracious way, lifting us up from our humble state. God has dealt graciously with Mary. 
He's lifted up this humble teenager. Mary socially was a nobody. She's a peasant. She's not a princess or a queen. And God's lifted her up and thrown her into the forefront of history. But Mary is not praising God for making her some sort of glorified figure. In fact, the words of Mary's song would suggest quite the opposite. She views herself as a wretched figure. Instead, she's rejoicing in God, her Savior, in verse 47. She rejoices because she knows she's a sinner. She knows that she's disobeyed God in every imaginable way. She knows that she deserves to be punished for her sin. And she knows she is in need of a Savior. And now she rejoices because God has recognized her humble state as a sinner and he has saved her. God has lifted her up from her lowly condemned state to this status as forgiven. And as a result, Mary declares boldly that all generations will call her blessed because God has reached down and poured undeserved grace into her life and now he's doing amazing things with her. He saved her and now he's going to use her to give birth to this Jesus. She's going to watch this little boy grow up and become the most perfect man to ever live. She's going to watch him do amazing things. She's going to know the Son of God in a way that no all her human will. Mary, this humble girl, has been lifted up from her humble state. And Mary herself calls herself, she recognizes her humble state in verse 48. And this isn't just a reference rooted solely in her social significance. Yes, she is a nobody socially, But her humble state is more than that. It's a reference to her sin and her need of a savior. Her humility is something like, God, I am low, I am weak. You are great, almighty, and high. And so this is not moral teaching. Make yourself poor, make yourself lowly, give to the poor, But this is more than that. After all, we know people who give generously to the poor. We know people who we could recognize as humble, who don't even boast in their own abilities, but they deny God. Jose Moyica, I probably butchered that pronounce, but he was a former... Uruguayan president, and he was described as the world's most humble head of state. And why was he described in that way? Because he drove a a battered old Volkswagen Beetle. He refused to live in the presidential residence, and instead he lived on a farm. And his monthly salary, well, he gave 90% of his monthly salary to charity. He could definitely be 
described as humble in some ways. And he definitely, it's commendable how he countered others as more significant. But Jose is an atheist. And so he denies the existence of God. He denies his need of God. Will God be gracious to him and lift him up because he is described by the world as humble? Surely he is humble, but yet he denies the existence of God and so surely he cannot receive the favor of a God he rejects. You see, Jose is the perfect example. Some, we can think of people the proud, obnoxious type who think they're great and it's so obvious, their pride. But there is also that pride in our hearts. There's those people that are proud in that they deny God and their need of him, even if the world might view them as humble. Mary is lifted up by God because she admits her lowly, sinful state and humbly casts herself onto her Savior. And now she rejoices in song. Is this your song this Christmas? James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud. He gives He forgives those who admit their sinful lowliness, who admit they deserve God's punishment, and he opposes the proud, judging and punishing those who deny their need of him or their forgiveness. We shouldn't be surprised that this is the way that God dealt with Mary lifting up this humble girl. Because this is the beautiful thread throughout history. God lifts the humble and knocks down the proud. And in the second part of Mary's song, from verse 50 onwards, Mary moves away from this personal praise and she looks at the bigger picture. She's praising God for how he has dealt with humanity throughout history. Verse 50 tells us that he has shown mercy to those who fear him, to the sort of people who have held God with the deepest respect and awe. They've recognized in humility their lowliness and God's greatness. And Mary looks back praising God for dealing with mankind in this way. In verse 51 She praises God because she recalls how God has used his arm, how he has has used his strength and scattered the proud. She's recalling stories like David and Goliath, how this humble shepherd boy was lifted up and used to, to strike down Goliath. Didn't God strike him down and scatter the proud Philistines? And in the verse 52, she continues, 
She's looking back, recalling how God has dealt with mankind. What about Nebuchadnezzar? Wasn't he a proud ruler? Wasn't he proud and self-absorbed? He was told of his coming fall if he did not renounce his sins, but yet he would not humble himself. And what did God do? God opposed him. He brought him down from his throne. And instead, throughout history, God exalted those of humble estate. Isn't that so true? Remember Joseph, he was lowly, he was rejected by his family, he was sold off into slavery, he was desperately low, he was imprisoned, but he ascended and became a powerful ruler or leader. Mary's praise also, she's looking back and Old Testament references are oozing out of it. In verse 53 she says, He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. She's recalling words of Old Testament scripture like the words of Psalm 107 verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And so in the midst of her praise, she recalls that Old Testament truth that she knows so well that the rich can become proud, self-reliant people with no hunger for spiritual things. And those sort of people will be opposed by God. And finally, her praise in verses 54 and 55 conclude She concludes her song by acknowledging that God has opposed the proud and shown mercy to Israel in keeping with his promise to Abraham. Throughout history, God has opposed the proud and lifted up those of humble state. It should be no surprise that this is the way he's dealt with Mary and this is the way that he now deals with us too. The second half of Mary's praise is not just looking back at how God has dealt with humanity, but she's also looking forward. She knows that with the arrival of Christ, there is a continuation of this way of dealing with mankind. Through Christ, the humble will be lifted up and the proud will be opposed. The beautiful thread of God's dealing with mankind continues. And so Mary's praise is both historical but yet prophetical. She is both looking forward and simultaneously looking back. Of course, you might argue that She speaks in the past tense and so surely she's just looking back and just thinking about how God has already acted. But can she not get away with using language in the past tense but yet still be prophetic? After all, when God promises to do something, it is as good as done, isn't it? And so 
Mary's song of praise is not just her personal experience, not just looking back at how God has dealt with mankind throughout history, but it's looking forward. Jesus comes into this world and his mission was not to end this way of dealing with mankind. Jesus would come and he would establish an upside down kingdom. He would come and preach sermons that would reiterate this message that God lifts up the humble and opposes the proud. He would be the Christ that would stand against the proud Pharisees and send away the rich empty. He would be the Christ that would welcome in the sinners, the adulterers, the tax collectors. He would welcome in and embrace the poor beggars, those hungry for spiritual things. Jesus would come and he would say, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The message that Jesus would preach and did preach was radical. And his death completely turns things upside down. Jesus, the king of kings, would come into this world, but not into a royal palace, but into a lowly stable. He would leave his heavenly dwelling, come and be born into a family from poverty into a stable for beggars. He would grow up and his life would be threatened. He would be rejected by many. He would be betrayed and denied by his closest friends. He would carry out the most beautiful act of humility. And God the Father has highly exalted him for it. He's placed him on the throne and one day every knee will bow. Isn't it true that God lifts up the humble? He did it with Mary. He did it with mankind throughout history. God the Father did it with his son and now he deals with us in this way. He lifts up the humble and he knocks down the proud. Those words of James 4, verse 6 are so true. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Which are you? Have you humbly admitted your need of forgiveness? Or do you deny your lowliness and his greatness? and so face eternal punishment. For others here, we share that song of rejoicing in God our Savior. But there is still a huge part of us that is so prideful. We have these proud tendencies and we need to wake up as a church. It's so dangerous when the church follows the pattern of culture. 
It's so dangerous when we follow culture instead of the pattern of the kingdom and Christ's example here of humility. God hates our pride. God opposes the pride proud and surely God will discipline a church or individuals that know him but yet have become proud. Those thoughts that we are morally upright people, God will humble them. When we look condescendingly at the drunkards and the adulterers, when we feel more morally superior to that foul-mouthed person in work or that gambler in our families, God will humble those thoughts. Christ came and spent time with the sinners, the tax collectors and the adulterers, and he sent away the proud, obnoxious Pharisees that we can so often become. Even within the church, we look down on each other all to feed our own egos. When someone says something questionable, we roll our eyes, we whisper condemning words. When we meet others from different churches, we boast about our ministries, we wear a badge of pride, but yet God lifts up the humble and he opposes the proud and surely God will discipline a church or individuals that become prideful. Surely God blesses the humble church our pride can grow out of these sort of self-righteous tendencies. Even when we come to look at stories like this, we snub them because of their familiarity. Our pride can take more subtle forms as well. We're warned here that Christ sends the rich or that God sends the rich away empty. Isn't it so true that we can become easily filled up on the things that we can buy or earn. We thirst and we hunger for those nice clothes, that nice holiday, that better car or nicer home. But people, when we become filled up on these things, there is no room left for God. And God opposes these sorts of people. Didn't Jesus send away the rich young ruler. The rich are sent away empty. We can so easily have an excessive high opinion of ourselves. We think we are great in our inmost thoughts or we think the world revolves around me and my problems. But God opposes these sorts of thoughts, and we need to carefully re-examine ourselves. Mary's song reminds us that we are sinners shown unmerited grace, that we are not the proud, self-sufficient, successful people we think we are or we aspire to be. We need to see the life of Jesus and be kingdom people who follow his example, not the example of culture, 
We need to embrace the sinner, feed the hungry, care for the church, serve selflessly. We need to set our minds on bringing him the glory and not ourselves. God lifts up the humble and knocks down the proud. Charlie Chaplin is an iconic name, a famous silent movie actor. He was the best of his day and his name lives on today. He's a legend. Uh, But before he hit the heights of success, Charlie at the age of 10 ended up in a lowly place. His dad died and his mum was absent. And Charlie had to look after his younger brother and the two of them were on the streets trying to make a living in London. Eventually, he made it. He made a stab at the show business world and he hit the heights of success. It's a lovely story of someone who was in lowly condition in rags but yet rose and was so successful. We love stories like that where someone is brought from hopelessness to great heights of success, from lowliness to a higher place. But tonight's passage reminds us of the greatest sort of story where people are lifted out of lowliness and brought to a higher place. It's the story of Jesus who stepped into our lowliness and he takes our sinful, lowly condition and he suffers in our place so that we can be lifted out of our sinful lowliness, lifting us up from condemned to forgiven, humbling our pride so that we can be lifted up to glory. God lifts up the humble. and locks down the pride. Can you join with Mary in this song? Rejoicing in God, your Savior. Or do these words sit uncomfortably with you? Because you know God will oppose you. Let us pray.